Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I think the hardest part of doing these podcasts literally is getting started because you sit here and you try to figure out a way to just get started. You know what you want to say. I know what I want to say today. And I sat here um, at the at the computer just staring at it. I'm like, all right, how do I get into this hypervigilance um, victim mentality stuff that I want to talk about? And I'm sitting here drinking my protein shake. I, I, I After the gym, I always have a, um, a big fat ass. <clears throat> Damn, excuse me. Big fat ass protein shake. And what I do is this is, man, this is a man shake here. This is alpha male shit. This ain't, this, this shake ain't for beta males. Um, cause beta male, I know y'all like to stay nice and slim and with your little skinny jeans. The shake that I'm going to tell you about now is for, for fucking lions. Like this is, this is the real deal. So for you beta males out there, I hope I don't think there's too many beta males listening to my podcast. But if you do, um, you don't want this because this is not going to help your little feminine stature. All right, so just listen. This shake, literally, I take, I take my blender. Right, I got a ninja blender, and I put 16 ounces of coconut milk in there. Or excuse me, almond milk. Yeah, I'm gonna talk half of my shake. That's how thick this shake is. It's all thrown up or it's all stuck in my esophagus. You take 16 ounces of almond milk and I pour in a cup of oatmeal with two scoops of chocolate whey protein. And then I pour honey in it. Now, I don't know how much honey. I just turn the bottle upside down until I feel like, yeah, that's enough. And then I put cinnamon in it. And then I put ice and then I top it off with lion's heart like I, I have lion hearts shipped from from uh, africa over here and i have them in my freezer and you gotta let them thaw out for a day so they're good and bloody no, i'm just kidding you don't put lion's heart in there and, and but anyway all the other ingredients are there and then i blend it with a little scoop of ice man this thing is so thick and delicious i actually when i get back from the gym that is my go-to and uh, I keep I keep a lot of protein around because it keeps me from going out and buying food because my biggest expense is food. I'll spend a, a buku money on uh, those of you that don't speak Vietnamese. Buku means big. And the only reason I know that is because I'm fluent in, in um, Vietnamese. 
for, because I watched Full Metal Jacket so many times when I was young. And um, the little prostitute on the um, on Full Metal Jacket at the end, when the black guy goes to to uh, to get her, she says, no, so brother, too, too buku, too buku. And I was like, oh, shit, I know what that means. That means too big. And so that's how, you know, I, I became fluent in Viet, Vietnamese. So I'm thinking of traveling there soon because, you know, I know the words. Anyway, this is going to be one of those episodes, people. Um, it's going to be some shit talking. And I, I hope you're ready because I just got back from the gym. And something I've always wanted to talk about, and I used to actually do jokes when I when I was on tour full time I uh, with comedy. I, I did I did a bunch of gym jokes because the gym is, is a great place to honestly people watch and ask yourself what the fuck is this person thinking i can i can honestly say this and this is from 22 i think 23 years now as an active gym person uh i don't i'm not as into it as i used to be um but i've been into fitness my whole life when i went into the marines at 18 fitness that's all it was about when i got out fitness as a cop fitness as a firefighter that's all it was about and then over the years, I've just noticed the most insecure people I've ever known or ever met, they're all in the gym. You want to know where all the insecure people hang out? Go to the fucking gym. I think the most secure people in the world don't even have gym memberships because they're happy with who they are. And they look in the mirror and they're just like, you know what? Fuck everybody else. I'm good enough. And you should be like that because you are good enough. But man, I go in the gym today. And I have stories for days on, on, on shit that I've seen. I, I would have to literally sit here. I could probably write a book on just ridiculous gym people. But I'm on a treadmill. Like, I'm, I'm the old guy now. I'm not going to sit here and act like I never wore a T-back um, spaghetti strap tank top when I was 25 or 22. It was, how old was I? 22. I had a Gold's Gym spaghetti strap tank top with a little T-back in the back. And I would go to the gym. I was 185 pounds. And I would walk in there like like I was a Mack truck. So I get it when I see young dudes doing that. But man, this guy comes in today. I'm the old guy. I'm 43. I'm just wearing, I might as well be wearing goddamn tube socks with um, with some jam shorts and just an old wrinkled t-shirt. Because I, I don't wear a costume is what I'm getting at when I go to the gym. I just I just put on whatever. I'll, I'll just roll out of bed and throw something on and go. But the effort that people go through to fit in in the gym is, is beyond ridiculous for me. So... Two, two things real quick. Three things. <laughs> Today this guy comes in and he walks through the door and you immediately see him bow up. And I don't understand what it is with guys and why they feel the need to like bow up and like puff their chest out and, and stick their shoulders up or and, 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 and their lats and all that. But I don't even think they realize they do it. But when they do it, it looks ridiculous. But this guy had that little spaghetti strap tank top on and he's, he's well in his 30s and that was what was confusing for me like you're not a little boy anymore man you're a grown man like probably with a career why are you dressing like that and i just i just kind of laughed <clears throat> and it took me back to my days when i was spaghetti strapping and then i'm on a treadmill watching my news channel and uh doing the old man shuffle and this girl comes up next to me and people I don't know what this woman was thinking, but it's like she she was getting ready for the prom. She reeked of white diamonds uh, uh, perfume. And I don't know if that's what she's wearing. I say white diamonds because my mom's old school. And Elizabeth Arden, I think, is who made the white diamonds. And I can tell you a story about the time my mom had on her perfume was so thick. We were going to dinner in Savannah. It was my wife, my dad, my mom, and my dad. I think I said my dad already. And we're in the car, and the windows 
it was February. I'll never forget. We were going to Savannah, Georgia. And uh, my mom's in the back. And I have my head hanging out of the window like an old sorry-ass country dog trying to just breathe. And my mom's in the back. She's like, Travis, roll that window up. It's cold. Why do you have your head out the window? And everybody's laughing because they knew. And I was like, I was trying not to be rude. And I'm going to be like, Mom, you fucking stink. Like, you ever smell somebody that puts on so much perfume they stink? And then how about the ones that mix perfume with cigarettes? You ever smell that nasty shit? Well, anyway, this girl comes up beside me on treadmill. She was a young lady, and she had on so much perfume. I literally wanted to pick my boogers with both both fingers just to clog up my nostrils. And I ended up ending my workout early because she stunk so badly trying to smell good. She just put too much on. That's like, you're going to the gym. Calm down. And yesterday, there's a woman working out next to me. She had on... Um, she had on all this, all this new, the newest, latest, greatest gear. She had on the tights with the tight top, and then she had this thing around her stomach, like a um, I don't know what the fuck kind of belt this was, but it's not a weightlifting belt. It was a fashion thing, and it said "sweet" on it. And then I looked at her. She had lip gloss on, all the makeup, and I'm like, "The fuck are you doing?" So anyway. That's how you get started on a podcast in the morning. You just you can't think about it. You just got to roll. I want to talk a little bit about hypervigilance. <clears throat> Still had this protein shake, man. Damn. I want to talk a little bit about hypervigilance and how um, people affected with trauma, um, people like law enforcement officers, firefighters, not just them, military people, uh, anybody who has been exposed to to um, violence, a lot of times we're very hypervigilant. I'm going to tell you how my hypervigilance yesterday went into overdrive and um, how I knew this was ridiculous, but it's something that I I don't want to say I can't control, but it's something I don't really know if I want to control. It does drive me crazy at times, but but I'm always prepared, always, and I always have a plan. And General Mattis said it it the greatest. You can never say anything better than what general Mattis said he said be kind be pol- or be pol- be polite be courteous be professional but have a plan to kill everybody you meet and there's no truer statement like i'm never rude to people but i'm always thinking about like if if you get stupid what's about to happen here like how how are we going how are we going to handle this situation so let me tell you what happened to me yesterday I've, t- I've covered hypervigilance six ways from Sunday on other podcasts, but I caught myself yesterday actually realizing, damn, this old man was a, didn't realize like the, the, the horrible thoughts that were going through my head. And turns out he was just fine. I go into this um, chicken salad place here, and I, I don't know if you guys have it where you are, but it's called Chicken Salad Chick. And they have various locations throughout the area in the southeast where I live. And it's delicious. And this isn't a plug. They don't pay me. But I love chicken salad chick. They have all these different chicken salads. It's great. So I walk in. I already don't like the setup. I walk into this business. It's in a commercial um, commercial mall, a strip mall. And I walk in. Right as you walk in the door, you, the counter is in front of you. So you can't see anybody that's coming into the business behind you. All you can see is what's in front of you. And then there's a wall immediately to your right. So you're standing against a wall, which I don't like because there's no cover. There's no concealment with this wall. You're just fucked if somebody wants to come in and spray and pray, right? So there's five or six people in front of me. And I'm politely just standing there minding my own business. And I hear the door open behind me. And 
Naturally, hypervigilant Travis turns around to see who's coming in his door. I don't just stand there and let somebody walk up behind me, okay? Uh, and not acknowledge that, hey, I know, motherfucker, you're standing behind me. I know you're there, so don't think that I don't. That's not me. I'm not one of those people. I, I let motherfuckers know, hey, I know you're here. Um, you know I'm here. Let's, let's all act accordingly. So... What I'm getting at is when I hear the door open, I look, and this man walks in, this older man. He's in his early 60s, right? He's at that going postal age, right, when you see those people that go crazy sometimes. And uh, he has something I, I, I never see anymore or you hardly ever see underneath his left hand or in his armpit. It's just folded up. It's what we call a fucking newspaper. It's something that people used to read back in the day. I don't know if you know that now, but um, that actually used to be the equivalent of a cell phone right so this this man walks in with this relic underneath his arm and immediately i'm on fucking high alert now you could associate a 60 year old man with a newspaper but that's not what i saw i saw a rolled up newspaper and i know people conceal weapons inside of rolled up newspapers right so immediately i look right in the tube of this rolled up newspaper and i see something black in there this is no bullshit and i i, I didn't get nervous but i was like what the fuck is going on? And I, I was in my mind, I was like, all right, I'm sure that everything's good, but I need this man to know I'm watching him. So I just stared at him, not like a, an asshole. I just kind of like looked in his direction and let him know I see you. And I didn't take my eyes off of him at all. I turned my back against the wall. Now, as everybody else is moving forward, I'm now shuffling to my right because I'm no longer facing forward. I have my back against the wall. I'm looking at the man, and I shuffle down. And he tries to break the ice, and he's like, how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine, sir. How are you? And he said, oh, I'm good. And when he said that, he reaches in his pocket, pulls out his cell phone, takes the newspaper out from underneath his arm, opens it up, and what do you think's in there? It wasn't a fucking gun. It was another cell phone. He had another cell phone in there. It was a black cell phone. And he put his other cell phone with that cell phone. And then he closed up his newspaper. And then I was like, okay, he's not here to he's not here to do any harm. He's probably honestly here to get the classic Carol chicken sandwich like I get, you know. And so we went on about our day. But that's what I'm talking about, hypervigilance, overdrive. How many of you are ever in scenarios where it's just a little ridiculous? So there's, I'm not going to apologize for it though, because I know, I know me. And I, I also know that I have, um, I'm not going to get into why and, and, and how, because this, this, uh, the society we live in is too, um, is too fucking quick to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's too quick to judge, I guess. But I know that my awareness has gotten me out of issues before it's happened. I, I absolutely 100% know without a doubt on many, many different occasions. Motherfuckers knew that I knew and knew that I was watching. And they were like, well, he's not. We can't catch him slipping today. So that's uh, being hypervigilant can be a good thing. It can protect you, but it can also drive you crazy as shit. I mean, it, it really can. So. That's my hypervigilance story for the day, and I'd love to hear some of yours. Uh, we could share some. If you have if you have some funny hypervigilance stories, something that, you know, like sent you into overdrive and 
you didn't uh, it didn't turn out to amount to anything and it, and it turned out to be something ridiculous. I'll tell you right now, you know how many times I've cleared my house in the middle of the night because of some stupid sound I heard? I can't even tell you. I'm talking full close quarters combat, pieing off corners, flashlight not in front of me, out extended away from me. Like <laughs> I'm talking stupid shit. Um, damn near low crawling through my own house and come to find out it was one of the dogs or something like that. So hypervigilance can drive you crazy. In military and law enforcement, we refer to that as um, situational awareness, right? You always have to be aware of your situation and what's going on around you. <laughs> it gets a little ridiculous because when you're a dad, you tell your kids like when they're going for a walk or something without you, which is few and far fucking between. You're like, all right, you watch your sister six. And, and keep your head on a fucking swivel. You understand? And they're looking at you like, um, Dad, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, never mind, it's cop shit. I haven't been a cop in shit since 05. So that's a long time. I'm not that fast with math, and, and, and I'd have to count on my fingers. Just kidding. But I haven't been a cop since 2005, but... I don't care if you if you're never if you're not a police officer anymore or how long you've been out of it. Once you're a law enforcement officer, it never leaves you. It never goes away. You still do law enforcement shit all the time. I catch myself all the time. I'll be driving down the road and my hand will reach towards my center console to hit blue lights because I'm like, oh look at this motherfucker. You about to be on the side of the road right here. And and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm I'm not the police. What what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> so Oh, expired tag and we'll get you. And then, then I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to like find some reasonable suspicion to develop my probable cause so I can search your vehicle for drugs and guns. That's just how we, but not now, not these days. Actually, I talked to one of my buddies one time, not too long ago and uh, can't name drop because they're still in the business. And he said, man, Travis, we don't even look for dope and guns anymore. He says the way this fucking, this shit has gotten with cops. He's like, we'll pull them over and we just give him a ticket and let him go and he goes i can i'll smell i'll smell that um you know in south carolina weed's still illegal but that gives you probable cause to search a vehicle and we used to get so many guns off the street just because we smell weed and you'd be able to search a vehicle um but now he's like i don't give a fuck he goes i got three years till i retire and i'm not risking it he's like i'll just give him a ticket and send them on their merry way and that's what law enforcement has gotten to and in certain certain agencies and, and it, it fucking sucks man because these guys and these girls are out there trying so hard they really 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 want to do the job but they're they are fucking handcuffed it's crazy how the law enforcement never leaves you man i'll, I'll um so I've, I've, I've had this conversation with my daughters and we i promote well i shouldn't say i promote um i teach my daughters like if a kid fucks with you fucking stretch them out I don't, I don't, we don't play that passive aggressive shit. Go tell the teacher. And I've always told him kid puts their hands on you. You better fuck them up. And I don't use those words, but that's the sentiment behind it. And my daughters are like, well, the teacher, the principal said, I'll deal with that. I said, but if I find out somebody put their hands on you and you didn't put your hands back on them, you, you're going to deal with me and you're going to, you're not going to like it. That's how I was raised. You're raised to protect yourself. Like, Nobody puts their hands on you without you wanting them to. And I'll tell you a, a real quick funny story. I watched a, uh, my daughters, I teach them real quick about bullies. I don't like a fucking bully. I've always hated bullies. 
And I've always believed in standing up against him because what a bully does, everybody knows what a bully does, but you punch a bully in the fucking mouth after he messes with you, he never messes with you again. They never, ever do. I've seen the biggest bullies get shot down. Not shot, I should use different words. The biggest bullies decide not to fuck with certain people once they realize they can't do it. And that's all it is. And yeah, it may suck. You may get punched back in the mouth every once in a while, but it is people people won't fuck with you. So I talk, I teach my daughters that. And I remember one day we were at a friend's house, and uh, their friend they had some other friends over who had some sons, and I guess their sons they play a little rough, and it was their two sons, and then several girls, and my girls were there, and I always just kind of sit back because I watch these other kids that don't know my kids, and I'm like, you fuck with them girls if you want, they go fuck you up, and that boy was pressing. He started pressing and he was pressing and he threw a necklace at my oldest girl's friend's face and it hit her and she started crying. And my daughter walked up to this boy who's a year or two older than her. And I watched her shove this dude so hard, his back hit the wall and he slid down the wall like somebody had just knocked him the fuck out. And I'm sitting there smiling ear to ear like this girl just won the national spelling bee like that's how proud of her i was and the boy slid down the wall and got up and started crying and went screaming to his daddy and his daddy comes in there what happened blah blah, blah. was it was he was he doing it being all defensive and i said i'll tell you what happened and i was like he fucked with the wrong girls and i said that's what happened he's he's picking on girls and he got laid out and then the dad changed his tone real quick and realized that his son was being an asshole and he got what was coming to him. So anyhow, I teach my girls. I'm like, look, this is this is straight cop talk when I when I talk to them like this. It's so funny because in the moment I'm dead serious. But when I think about the conversation I just had with them, I'm like, the fuck, man, they're 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 seven and five. <laughs> I was like, look, girls, listen. You always watch a man or a woman's hands. I was like, they can't hurt you without their hands. All right. And they look at me and they're like, what do you mean? I was like, look, think about it. A human being cannot do you harm without their hands. So you always watch what their hands are doing. And that is, that is cop 101. Unless, unless it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. All right. Now Jean-Claude Van Damme can fuck you up without his hands. Or a T-Rex, like a T-Rex could fuck you up without his hands because they, you know, they don't use their little dumbass arms anyway. But if you're dealing with a T-Rex, we got a whole nother, whole nother issue in life that we need to address. And, and Armageddon is here and, and the, the book of Revelations. Oh, I got to tell you all about my first spend the night in the book of Revelations. Don't let me forget. So anyway, I'll hear what I'm saying to my kids and I'm just like, always watch your hands and, and, and somebody can't hurt you. You know, when they when they start moving their hands and they like bring them up. You need to have your hands up and available. And I don't mean in an aggressive manner. There's ways to hold your hands in the ready position to where you need to either deflect or strike. <laughs> and I was like, watch somebody's back foot, their power leg. If they drop that leg back, they're fucking going to swing on you. And these poor girls are sweet as they could be. And they're just like, why? Well, I don't understand. So I'm raising them like boys. I'm telling you, I'm raising them like boys because I don't think people are raising men anymore. And uh, we've had that conversation. But you can't take the cop out of somebody once they've been a police officer. Yesterday I was on the interstate and this car came up beside me and we were riding. You know what I did? I looked down at the driver. I looked down at the center console. Like I look at every center console every single time a car passes me. Excuse me, not the center console. The ignition. 
where where the keys go in usually now most most cars these days are push button but we still got the old school key start so i'll look at <laughs> where the ignition is and you know what i'm looking for i'm looking for keys or i'm looking for punch dash columns or something like a column that's wrapped in a bandana to hide the fact that the car is stolen and somebody dro- drove a drove a screwdriver through the ignition switch um another another good one is if you see keys in a car this is what i'm intricate um attention to detail you see keys in a car and the car is driving but the key is turned back that's a bullshit key it's just stuck in the ignition to hide the fact that the ignition's busted boom stolen vehicle all day long 100 percent of the time baby um another good stolen car one is when when at nighttime is when people refuse to turn their high beams off that means a lot of times the um, the ignition has been punched and it messed up something within the, the lighting system. I got a good stolen car chase one time. I was coming through a neighborhood and uh, the car had its high beams on. And I turned around on it and because there's a rule or law in South Carolina failure to dim, uh, dim your high beams or dim your lights. Hey, that's a traffic offense, baby. And we use traffic uh, offenses just to pull people over, just to kind of see what's going on. This was late at night. It was like 2 in the morning. Uh, I was in a high drug area, so I turned around on the car after they failed to dim their high beams. Boy, they punched it as soon as I turned that car around. I didn't get hit with blue lights. Let me tell you what happened. The car went through this neighborhood, and there was a fucking trailer, and the car drove into the trailer and almost came out the other side of this mobile home. I'm serious. Like, you can't make this shit up. Out of that car bailed two young teenagers who ran straight to their mama's house and we got them i mean like they ran like a couple houses i'm like you dumbasses but same thing steering column was popped stolen car all day and it was just from having attention to detail it's crazy it's the little subtleties like when police officers stop people i hate when i hear people like the fucking cop stopped me for some bullshit that's not why he stopped you he don't know you like he, he stopped you because he had a legal reason to stop you and he wanted to see if there was anything any kind of criminal activity going on inside of this vehicle or if you're a wanted person we use that as a as a means to have an interaction with you you know as unfortunate as it may be get all the lights fixed on your fucking car use your fucking turn signal stop speeding you know the laws obey them and if you find yourself on the side of the fucking road listen to the police you know that's it it's that simple so i mean we had a um we called it the felony tag light when I was a police officer because most people don't know this. You have a light that's on your license plate that illuminates your license plate at nighttime. And that has to be that tag at night. I don't remember the specifics, but it has to be visible from like 50 feet or something like that. And those lights are always out on every vehicle, but it was a legal reason to stop a vehicle. And we got into more car chases because of the felony tag light. We would use that simple little infraction to just light up a car okay here's a legal reason to stop you and then we hit them blue lights and you take off hey we got something here i mean i got some serious dope and guns off of shit like that it's crazy and these police officers out there being proactive and doing stuff like that they're getting they're getting the bad stuff off the streets man they're but <laughs> i hear it all the time well he stopped me for this bullshit and he was rude and blah blah it's, Please stop with that bullshit. It was rude. Get out of here. You don't know the shit that these guys and girls have to deal with and the people that lie to them every five minutes. Everybody's lying to the police. And that's why it gets old hearing people lie all the time. And that's why police are so jaded. And that's why, like, even 15 years later, when I hear somebody talking to me, I'm kind of like, all right, you're, you're feeding me some bullshit. 
And in the back of my mind, I'm trying to filter through all that bullshit and trying to find the truth. The, I, damn, I just said truth with an F. Truth. Um, so, yeah. I didn't mean to get long-winded, but shit. This is... I, 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 can, I love telling cop stories, man. I don't, I don't think we tell enough of them. I can't. You got because you got to be so fucking careful these days. I pulled over a man in a motorized wheelchair one time because he was honestly, it wasn't because I was being a dick, but it was because he was in he was in danger. I mean, he was trying to cross a a four lane road in a motorized wheelchair. So I went up there and stopped him, pulled him into the median. Now I didn't have to call a traffic stop out over the radio, but I did, and so it went like this. So a ten fifty four and our code language was you know, a vehicle stop. And my, my badge number was 232. So I just got keyed up on the mic and I was like, 232 is 54. And the dispatcher's like, go ahead. And normally that's when you give the make model and V uh, of the vehicle and the tag number. And so I just said motorized wheelchair, um, no 28, which means no tag. And you could hear the dispatcher like, what the fuck did he just say to me? <laughs> and immediately my phone starts ringing. It's my supervisor. And I was like, I answered, I was like, hello, Sarge. He's like, you being, you being serious right now? I said, yes, sir. I'm, I'm out with, with, with a, with, with a person. And he goes, well, that's, that shouldn't be a vehicle stop. You should say that you're out with a, a 1038, which is a person. And he knew what I was doing. Cause I was always a jokey motherfucker. So he wasn't, he wasn't too pleased with that. <clears throat> but anyway, needs to say, we got the guy across the street safely. All right, let's get out of this. I want to get into something something pretty pressing and it's into uh the victim victim mindset now i'm going to speak passionately about this right now because this is something that that i got caught up in for a long time for many years probably well over a decade i got caught up in victimhood and i got i got caught up in being oh man this only happens to me and poor poor pitiful me and even though i didn't verbalize it like that it was the mindset that i was caught in and i didn't realize it it became so normal and i'm gonna tell you I know a lot of people that message me listen to this podcast, and this isn't a dig at anybody that messages me, but sometimes when I get your messages, things will resonate with me, and I see what you're doing, and I see you falling into the same trap that I'm in, and that's why I want to talk about this right now. So I had a, I had a young man message me last night, and I immediately saw myself many years ago in his message, and it made me made me upset because i know where he is and i know that i know where he he needs to be the problem is i can't do that for him i don't have the magical pill i don't have the answers just because i wrote a book doesn't mean that i have the answer to your problems all right so this kid messages me and he's like man i've read your book twice it it means so much and he says I got a I got a DUI and I feel I feel like my life's falling apart. I got a DUI and it and it cost me my career in the uh, in the military. Um, and I feel like I just can't move forward and all this stuff. He was telling me he he sounded like he was feeling sorry for himself. And then then he told me in the same breath he's like, you know I claim ownership of of everything that happened and where I'm at in life. But I don't know how to move forward. I don't know if I can move forward. So he was claiming ownership, but he was saying all things victim, right? 
And sometimes, I'm not making fun of this kid at all, but that's what it is. He was saying all things victim, and, and instead of looking at it from the perspective of, hey, man, I fucked up, and now I got to use this to make myself stronger, and I got to use this to make myself better, he immediately wanted to lean on the bad side of, of, of what happened to him, which we all do. Every time something uh, impacts us in a negative way, hey, man, it's hard to see the good in that shit. How do you see the good in it? You don't. The reason is because it's not all laid out in front of you. Your life has just been put on track and redirected to somewhere different. You just don't know the outcome of it yet. That's all. And that's the hardest part. So what happens is we get caught in this victim mentality. And we need to... Um, we. All right. Let me rephrase it. You own it. You own whatever the fuck happened to you. That's all you can do. And you press on. You press on and you move forward. And I told him that. I said, look, man. I said, just move forward. And he told me, he's like, I don't know if I can. And so I messaged back. I was like, what choice do you have? You got two choices, bro. You you have two choices. You either move the fuck on from it and learn or you don't. And you keep feeling sorry for yourself. And it's never going to get better. Your life will never change for, for the positive. You can you really only have one choice if you if you want things to change. And the problem with that negative mindset, that victim mentality, is that it promotes poor choices, right? Because we start feeling so sorry for ourselves and it becomes normal. And it promotes poor choices that lead to even more poor choices. Because it's hard to get out and, and do something productive and constructive and positive after something bad has happened to you. But if you don't, you just continue making poor choice after poor choice, which leads to more poor choices, which ultimately leads you to smoke and crack and suck and dick for gas money down the road somewhere. That might be a little extreme, but you, you understand what I'm saying. We all have a past. That's what makes us, right? You, you hear that when you're growing up and usually it's about a girlfriend or a boyfriend because some little boyfriend finds out a little girl was running around a little wild back in the day and he gets all jealous and she's like, well, I have a past and, or vice versa. The girl finds out the boy has a past. Like I don't, I was an angel when I was growing up when it came to girls. All right. So I didn't have that, but everybody has a past and your past does not define you at all. And that's what I was trying to tell this kid. And I say this in my book, your past does not define you. But what it can do is it can refine you and it can make you stronger. And if you use it correctly and you learn from it, you can use that to build on and make yourself the strongest version of yourself that you've ever been. And you can empower yourself and you can empower other people around you. But you've got to be able to get into that positive mindset when something shitty happens to you. You've got to be able to remove yourself almost like an outer body experience and step to the side, recognize it, be like, all right, this sucks. But it happened, and there's nothing I can do to change this. What can I do to make this better? What can I learn from this so I don't do this again? And how do I move forward? And I'll tell you how you move forward. You tear the fucking rearview mirror off, and you throw it away, and you quit looking back on it. That's how you do it, and that's what I told him. I said, He's like, I don't even know how to get started. And I said, well, just get fucking started. Nobody's coming to save you. I'll say that in my book. Because it's true. 
That's what happened with me. I waited and I waited and I just waited and I thought, okay, if enough time goes by, things will just get better. Somebody will come along and help me. But that wasn't the case at all. You have to do the hard work. You have to get out there. You got to be a grimy motherfucker and grind it out and make it happen. And that's what I had to do. And that's what I realized that that last time when I was sitting with a gun in my lap, ready to end my own life. I was like, look, I got to do this. I got to make this life exactly what I want. And that's exactly what the fuck I did. After waiting 10 years plus, more than 10 years, I found nobody was coming to rescue me. I had to be my own hero. And that's what you got to do in those, those, those instances, whatever circumstances you have surrounding your situation. I think what happens is, as human beings, we want things that are easy, right? We, we understand that, well, if I, have, if I have to go out there and create my own happiness, it's going to be hard. You're fucking a right, it's going to be hard. We want other people to do it for us. We don't want to put in the time. We don't want to put in the work. We don't want to put in the energy. You ever notice how easy it is to spend someone else's money and how easy it is to waste someone else's time? We don't want to waste our own time. We don't want to spend our own money, but we want to waste other people's time and waste their money, right? And we do that because we didn't earn their money. We didn't earn their time. We earned whatever time and whatever money we have. And we know how hard that was to earn that. So we don't want to waste it. However, comma, we didn't earn somebody else's time or money. So it's easy to spend it. And it's easy to waste it. And we don't want to put in the hard hours and the work and the effort that it takes to create ourselves out of like a phoenix from the ashes. Like it once we're destroyed, we want it instantly. And it just doesn't happen like that. You got to be put in, put in the time and the effort. Look, it's like this. I guarantee you right now, if I were to do a thousand dollar Venmo giveaway, everybody would put their name in the hat. Hey, register right now or inbox me. I'm going to give away a thousand dollars next week on Venmo just for listening. Everybody would want to do that. And then you'd take that money when you had it and you'd probably piss it away. Now, what if you had to earn that money? What if you had to come out to my ranch and be a ranch hand and work like I work out there when I'm out there and you work sun up to sundown with maybe a 20 minute break eating? You, you don't even get to let your food settle and you're back out there in that hot ass field, triple digit heat, triple digit humidity, sun up to sundown. And then at the end of the week, let's say seven, seven day a week, not a five day. And we'll do like candy ass bullshit. A seven day week. I hand you a thousand dollars because you earned it. You'd probably be a little more conservative with, with that, with that spending, wouldn't you? And what I'm getting at is if you earn your happiness, if you go out there and you work hard for it and you earn it, you fight for it, you, you literally fight for your life tooth and nail, you'll respect it a lot more in the end, I promise you. And you will be less susceptible to letting people waste your fucking time in life. You'll be proud of yourself for what you accomplished. You don't have to be on every TV channel with it, but you'll be you when you look in the mirror, you'll be proud of what you see because you went out, you created it and you earned it. Nobody but you. And I th- honestly, I think that's why my happiness is so important to me and because I know exactly what I went through 
and only only you know your real story, right? Only um, only you know what you've been through, how hard it how hard it really was. Other people can hear your story; they can um, they can kind of sympathize with you, but nobody knows what you've really been through except you. And that's all that matters at the end of the day is you know that you did everything you could to be exactly where you are. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's euphoric, man. Because I can't, I honestly, I can write a hundred thousand books. Not really. I mean, I, I can fucking barely write one. But what I'm getting at is, if I wrote even ten more books, okay, explaining exactly what I went through and how difficult it was be, how difficult it was to me, it wouldn't do it any justice. Because I lay here at night and I close my eyes and I take deep breaths and I realize, man, I know what nobody else knows. I know how difficult that shit was. And that's why when I'm out on that farm and I found my place, that piece of happiness that brings me so much joy, honestly, it, I look at it and it's like, man, it was, it was worth it. It was worth the fucking struggle to get here. But I did it. And I'm not going to let anybody or anything take that away from me again. I'm not going to fall back into that trap that I was in of, of feeling sorry for myself and being the victim. Sure, there's times when I have shit days. But I snap myself out of that as quick as quickly as I recognize it. It's, it, it's, a, it's just a matter of recognizing that mindset that you're in. It's a matter of recognizing like, hey, I'm being a victim. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Let me fucking stop it. Because it, it, when it comes on, it happens really quickly in our first inclination or um, the first thing that happens to us is that we want to feel sorry for ourselves and 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 beat ourselves up over something. And once you stop and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And you recognize that it's easy to get out of that. And it's easy to change that mindset because you can do it. It's literally the flip of a switch and it's all perspective. And it's how you, it's how you wish to see something. I choose now to see my life and everything that I went through and where I was able to get to as, um, as a blessing, right? I see like, man, I was, I climbed a fucking mountain that so many people never get to get up, get over the top of, you know, I'll always be climbing. I'll always have my gear on. I don't get to put my pack down because it's constant maintenance, but so many people that were on that mountain with me aren't around to talk about it because they, they couldn't, they couldn't handle the climb. And that's the sad part. It's, you never know. Like I, when I look at those people that have checked out from suicide or whatever, you never know what the next day was bringing you. But, but I do understand it. I understand that you were just so exhausted that you couldn't take one more step up the, up the mountain. You couldn't get one more handhold on the rock above you to pull yourself up. And you, you, just, you just needed to take a break and you wanted to let the weight off. And I'm fortunate to where I was at that point and literally several different times in my life. But I found the, I guess, the strength. To say, you know what? Let me go one more step. And that's what's important. It's not seeing the finish line. It's one more step. One more handhold up that mountain. And eventually, you'll hit the summit. And you'll get to catch that fucking sunrise. Or that sunset. And you'll you'll thank yourself for it. Like, you know what? I almost gave up on all of this. But I'm stronger than I thought. Now, I knew I was a strong motherfucker, right? Because I've endured a lot. But I think my greatest 
strength was staying in the fight, was never giving up. And that's something I'm, I'm deeply, deeply proud of on so many levels because I look at what I almost gave up and I understand there's still, there's still more bad shit that's going to happen in life. And I write about that in my book. I'm like, look, that shit's all coming down the pipeline for everybody. But think of all the joys that are coming too. And when we have these shit days, a lot of times we're choosing to have a shit day. Yeah, something happens, but we let that little insignificant incident affect our entire day, which will affect your affect your excuse me. It'll affect your entire week. That will affect a fucking month. And then you start getting into that mindset that you can't get out of because it just becomes so normal. And before you know it, you're that person that says life sucks. And I hate when I fucking hate when I hear people say that because there are literally people out there that would give everything they have to have the life that you have that supposedly sucks. And that's a selfish fucking thing to say. Life sucks. No, no, it doesn't. This is this is a beautiful experience that we get to have for such, such a short glimpse in time. I learned something the other day. Well, I learned it when I was young, but I actually just thought about it. Did you know the dinosaurs were here for like 200 million years, something like that, 163 million years, 200, whatever it is. And we're only here, if you're lucky, for 80. We are such a small glimpse in time. And your happiest of years for most people are when you're a child and your teen years. And then when you hit your your mid-20s, when things get real serious, life starts getting in the way and responsibilities start happening. And then so from the time you're 20 to your 80, 40-year period, excuse me, 60-year period, um, life's hard for a lot of fucking people. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be. I think we make it harder on ourselves than we have to because we have emotions. And we let our emotions control us. And we let our emotions, emotions dictate our levels of happiness. Now, I'm guilty of it 100%, but... I try to I try to recognize I'm just more mindful of it now and I, I think uh, I see when I'm doing that now. So if I had any advice to give, not that I, I like giving advice, because the best advice I ever fucking heard in my life was don't don't take anybody's advice. And I'm sitting here about to give out some fucking advice. Um, it would be to try to recognize your day that you're having right now, your week that you're having right now, if you're having a shit one, and think about. Think about it in the, in the in the perspective of time, how much time we have on this earth. And does whatever you're going through right now really warrant the way that you're feeling and warrant how it's affecting others around you? And the answer is probably no. Because most of the stuff that we experience as human beings, pretty trivial bullshit. And we let it we let it affect our entire day. So try to have a good day. Try to have a good week. Try to try to kick ass, man. I, I, I appreciate y'all. Like, I can't tell y'all how much I appreciate you guys. This this podcast is doing really well um, because of y'all. And I I always tip my hat to you and say thank you because without you, I don't, I don't get to do what I do. Um, I could just have this conversation with my dogs, but that's, a, that's probably what I'd be doing if nobody was listening. <laughs> I'm sitting here literally watching my dog lick her ass. Riley, stop licking your ass. All right. It's nasty.
You know the shitty thing? <laughs> I love kissing my dog. I love kissing my dog. And I wonder how many times I've kissed her after she just ate her own ass and I don't even realize it. Y'all have a good week. I love y'all. Later. Later.